we're starting a new series today. You can grab your worship guide, follow along, called The Weight of Your Words. Finish this for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me, right? We've heard that, and that couldn't be further from the truth. And you know that, and I know that, because someone said something to you before, and it's, it's stung, and it hurt. For some of you, it still hurts. You still remember what they said. You still remember what happened. And while it is true that actions do speak louder than words, just meaning, you know, what we do has to back up what we say. And if we don't say, if we don't do what we say, then it's really not important to us, right? That James, Jesus' brother, he said that your faith, your belief, What you say about Jesus, if it's not backed up by your actions, he says that type of faith, that type of belief, it's dead, it's useless, it doesn't do anything. It's obviously not transforming your life the way that it's supposed to if you're not living it out. And if if you're not living it out, then it's not impacting anyone else. He says that kind of faith, he said it's, it's really not good for anything. And so actions do have to back up our words, but there's certain words and certain relationships that I believe, especially when it comes to our most intimate relationships, those closest to us, our spouse, our, our siblings, our, our children, our, our best friends, our life group, people that are in our inner circle, that our words and actions that the significance of those two are very close and the impact of both of those things. And I, I would even say this, that there's certain times in, in relationships where your words matter even more than what you do. And some words, right, are, are weightier than others because words carry weight with them. Words said to us, words said at us, over us, uh, about us. Those words matter, and, and, and I know it does, because even now, if I were to say, hey, reflect on, on, on a person who, who spoke life into you, who was those people when, when you were growing up and, and that had the type of impact, mentors you looked up to, people in your life that you go, man, they were awesome people. I would venture to say that that their words mattered to you more than the words of someone else. So it's words said carry weight, but then oftentimes words left unsaid that also carry significance. It's not always what we say, so important. Sometimes it's what we don't say. In fact, so many counseling appointments start with issues that people had with their, their parents and even more specifically their fathers growing up. And generationally, I think things are changing, but like my grandfather, right, as much as I loved him and and he was my pawpaw, he never told me that he loved me. He never looked at me and said, I love you. He called me cowboy. He's from West Virginia. I love you, cowboy. He would just say, you know, he he just never said it. And my dad would say that, that his dad never told him growing up that he loved him that he was proud of him. And so it's not just the words we say, sometimes it's the words that that we we don't say that leave a mark, that create lasting impact in our lives. 
Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that, that our words carry tremendous power with them, that the, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit, right? Life and death. I mean, think about what that is saying. That your words have the potential, come on, to breathe life into someone. How many of you would say, man, the people that, that you want to be around the most are the ones that when they talk to you, right, they, they just, they lift you up. They encourage you. And then that, that, that the, your words can do that. Then your words can also bring death, can bring destruction into someone's life. Words impact our confidence. Words impact how we see ourselves. What we've, what we've embraced in, about our identity, man, words carry with them tremendous power. And I think we're all quick to recognize that, that words have had power in our own lives, but sometimes fail to see how our words impact other people to where what we're going to learn throughout this series is that you can either be very intentional about what you say and the words you use and how you direct them, or you can be irresponsible with them. And I know for me, this is, I'm not preaching at you today from a place of, 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 of success and where I'm just killing it in life and but honestly, from a place of struggle. That this is something that I've struggled with a lot of my life because God has given me this amazing gift of quick wit and sarcasm. And I'm telling you, man, I, I've got some good ones. And it, it does, it just it comes natural to me. And I love making people laugh. And, and, and again, it's just, it's just a part of what comes more natural to me. And sarcasm is funny for everyone except the person it's directed towards. And it's not funny. And they may laugh and they may brush it off, but the reality is, is, is that my words matter and that your words matter. And I've stuck my foot in my mouth way more than I would like to admit to you today. That there's been times where I've been very irresponsible with my words. And not only that, is that I've underestimated the impact that my words have. See, if you're not a pastor, you probably can't understand this. But, but there's times where I don't want to be Pastor Kyle. And that doesn't mean that I just want to go live a life of sin and indulge, you know. In, in things that I shouldn't be doing. Now, I didn't say I didn't want to be a Christian. Come on, some of you need to hear that word today. It just means like there's times where it's nice just to be another, another guy. You know, it's just this. But, but the reality is, is that's just not true. And, and I struggle with this to where I have to be very careful on in my areas, other areas of my life where I'm a, I'm a baseball coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm also very competitive. And I also think I'm right most of the time, right? And so there's been times where, you know, I wouldn't say I've had arguments, but I've had intense dialogue with other coaches. And I didn't even share this in first service, but, 
But, and I know that they know I'm a pastor. But I didn't, I wasn't talking like a pastor. Again, I wasn't cursing, but I wasn't doing what I know I should have been doing. There's times where I've stuck my foot in my mouth when I've been embarrassed, and there's times where it's gotten back to me that it's impacted whether or not someone will come to this church or not. Why? Because my words carry weight. And if I'm not careful, I can allow those things to create problems that I didn't intend to create or want to create, but because of my irresponsibility and lack of intentionality, it's done that. Because words can destroy, they can build, they can undermine, they can inspire. And the reality is, is that all of us have to be willing to take ownership about what we say and how we say it. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is not optional. Because you're not just representing yourself anymore. When you said, hey, I'm a follower, that's what I'm saying. As a, not as just as a pastor and how that can impact people, but also as, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not just representing myself, I'm representing him. And I, I don't know about you, but when my kids act a fool in public with other people, I'm mad because you shouldn't be acting that way and I'm going to correct your behavior, but I'm also mad because of how it looks on me. You're a reflection of me to your teachers at school. What did you say to your teacher? What did you do? That's not God. That's not what we would do. And that doesn't make me look good, right? So it matters. And, and we are a reflection. Think about this. And I've titled the message today, man, that's heavy because your words carry a lot of weight and they reflect not just you, but you're a savior, the one who died for you. And Paul reminds us throughout his letters of the new command that has been given to Jesus followers, the, the, the new marching orders that we have when it comes to being Jesus followers and how we should love others the way that God has loved us. And that's been really our goal in 2024 and beyond is, is what God said is, hey, you've, you've built the building, now we have to build the people, meaning, man, we really have to focus on making disciples Making followers of Jesus, it's why we started Alpha, it's why we're really enhancing our, our men's ministries, and it's just really saying, hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. We talked about that in how, our, how we should, as Jesus followers, embrace mental health. We just got out of a relationship series and marriages. What does a, what does a healthy, God-honoring marriage look like for someone who is a follower of Jesus? And now we're going to talk about it when it comes to our words when it comes to our speech. In Ephesians 5, Paul's writing the church in Ephesus. This is a church he started, that he planted, that he was still pastoring from a distance, and and he's writing them some instructions, and he says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Hey, you've been loved by God. You've been welcomed into his family as his child. He says, you're dearly loved children. You've been embraced by the love of God. So follow his example. And then he gives specific direction here that you are to walk in the way of love 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's just what we remembered and celebrated today as a church as we receive communion together. It's a time where we pause to remember. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm reading through the Bible in the year through the Bible recap, and you know, we, we just got out of you know, the, the tough books, the book of, you know, Leviticus, the number, like the law, all the old stuff. And it's just like, and, and, and you're being reminded of what people, God's people had to do to be able to come into his presence. I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I'd have been like, ah, man, so what do I got to do with that goat? You know, what do they got to do? What, what is all this stuff? I mean, because of who God was and what it what was required to enter into his presence, right? It was unbelievable. And Jesus was the, the atone, atoning sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb of God that made it possible for all people who have put their faith in him, right? To enter into God's presence without fear. Today, you were able to walk into this building, experience the presence of God without being struck down by fire. Who's grateful for that, right? That's communion. Without Jesus, you could have never have been able to do what you did this morning. And he's saying, because of what Jesus did for you, he offered himself up. He laid himself down. He died. It took his life away, what he did for you. He said, in view of that, walk in this way of love. You get to determine the direction of your life every day. You get to decide if you are going to follow the example of Jesus and walk in the way of love. And his love took his breath away, took his life away, took your sin away, and he says, now you are to walk in this way. So listen, in your notes, we get to choose whether or not we follow Jesus. That's up to you. That is a decision that you make. What we don't get to choose is what it looks like to follow Jesus. What it reacts like as a Jesus follower. And throughout this series, what it sounds like to be a follower of Jesus. So Paul says, you are to follow in his example. Jesus laid down his life and he says, you are to love others the same way that Jesus loved you. Now, what does the way of love sound like when it comes to our word. If we go back a chapter to chapter four, verse 29, here's what Paul says. He says, do not let, there you go. There's a choice. Do not let. So meaning you're gonna want to. The, the words you don't wanna say, they're gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna want to come out. Come on, somebody. That sarcasm, that, that joke, that quick wit, it's there. It's gonna want Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome, this word in the Greek, it it can literally mean to be stinky. So stinky that it's it's offensive. Don't let any hateful words come out of your mouth. You ever talk to somebody with some unwholesome breath? Come on. Some of you are like, I'm sitting next to him right now. Need to go back to that dream team room and get you a, a mint, right? That's why we have mints. Like, we don't want our greeters greeting you with unwholesome breath. And you've interacted, we've all been there, whether it's been us or someone else, where you, you encounter somebody, you're like, oh, I'm just going to step back a little bit. 
you need some gum? I got you. Or, you know, I'm just going to leave. But, like, this is the word he's using. Hey, as as a Jesus follower. And don't let that stink come out of your mouth. It's offensive. It's, it pushes people away. So don't let that happen. Ah, oh, well, come on, pastor. There's just times where, you know, you, you got to be honest. I got to be honest. He says, do not let, and listen, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can control what you say. It is a fruit of the Spirit. In honesty, I wanted to, to hit on this, you know. People are like, well, I'm just being honest. Sometimes you just got to be honest. And we'll, we're going to talk more about sharing the truth in a way that's productive. But listen, honesty is making sure what we say is true. But it's not saying everything that is true. Right? There, there, there's the right time. There's the right place. And there's just certain times that even though it's true, doesn't mean that it's helpful. And to be able to speak honestly into someone's life in a way that honors God, in a way that, we're, as we see, is, is going to be the way that it needs to be, right? It, it takes a tremendous amount of influence and what I would call relational equity with that person. And what I mean by that, I'm going to talk more about that, but, but in order to speak truth to someone in a productive way, Right, you got to have some what I call change in your pocket, which means you've built them up, you've established trust with them. Right, in order to speak truth, you have to have already established trust, and the only way to establish trust is by building a relationship with someone. And most of the time, the people that we want to be honest with, speak truth to, a lot of the times we don't have the influence or the relational equity to be able to even do it. So Paul says, do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. So there's the negative of what not to do. And then he gets to what we should be doing. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, verse 29, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Wow, this is so important that we understand this. So he says, don't let this come out. And the only thing you should allow to come out, so he's saying, but only, this is the only thing that should be coming out. So we have to be very selective with our words. We have to be very intentional with our words, which means you don't say everything that comes to mind, even if it's true or not. Is it going to be helpful for building them up? And Paul's point here, look, I I know it, Some of you are saying, you're like, oh, that sounds kind of soft to me. That sounds a little unproductive. Is this really going to make a difference? It's it's not just about being nice. Paul's point was saying whatever comes out needs to be done and said in a way that builds other people up. That our words, as Proverbs says, has the opportunity to bring life or death. That our words serve as tools for construction, not demolition. That they don't tear down, but they, they build up. And no matter what the context of the conversation or the confrontation you are having, when you walk away, they should feel built up. That they should be better off because of what you said. So Paul goes on, he says, so you build up. And he says, and you build up according to their needs. 
Oh, man. Doesn't that stink? Look at your neighbor real quick and said, he said their needs. He said their needs, right? And so he says, for my words to be able to build according to their needs, right? I have to know that person. I got to know what their needs are. And unfortunately, that takes listening more than we speak. Everyone in this room, everybody watching online, everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be understood, right? In any relational context with your boss at work, you want to be heard. I want to know my opinion matters, that I, got a, that I have a voice and a seat at the table. I want to be heard, and I want you to understand what I'm saying. I want to be understood. I want you to know where I'm coming from. And we may not always agree, but at least listen to me, right? And I can't really hear you until I feel like you've heard me. It's just the way it works. In fact, Jesus' brother, James, he said it this way in verse, chapter 1, verse 19. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. So brothers and sisters mean he's talking to followers of Jesus. Again, you get to choose whether or not you will follow Jesus, but once you follow him, you don't get to choose what that looks like. It's laid out for you what it looks like to be his follower. And he says this, you must all, everybody say all. No exceptions there. All of you who are brothers and sisters, all of you who are followers of Jesus, you all must be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak. I don't know about you. I I tend to do the opposite of that. How many of you have done that to your kids before? They're like, Zip it, right? I need to say what I need to say. And that's the reality, right? I don't know about you, but here's my problem when it comes to that verse. I'm confident what they need to hear is what I need to say. I'm confident in that. Hey, well, and that may be true. Hey, you need to hear this. But if I don't say it in a way that they can receive it, what James is saying, what Paul is saying, if you can't say something in a way that they can receive what you're about to say, there's no point in saying it. Because the point of your words is to build them up according to the needs that they have. And sometimes they need to hear the truth in love. Sometimes they need you know, to be corrected and pointed in a different direction. I'm not saying that there's not a place for hard conversations, but the reality is, is that I am oftentimes more dialed into what I need to say way more than what others need to hear. I'm dialed in. I know exactly. I'm in tune with what I need to say. But is it really what they need to hear? Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only let come out what is is helpful to build someone up according to their needs. A lot of times we have these types of conversations, right? Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I need to get something off my chest. I need to get something off my chest. And again, I'm not saying you don't ever have hard conversations, but I am saying it needs to be done in a way that's not unwholesome, 
with the heart to build up according to their needs that will be helpful to them, right? So, so if I, I say something that's on my chest and I let it out and I say what needs to be said and I go, oh man, I just feel so much better now that that's off my chest. But just because you feel better doesn't mean it built them up. And if it doesn't build them up, Paul says, shut up. You go, well, I need to feel better. No. You laid your right to feel better down the day you decided to follow Jesus. I have a right. It's in the Constitution. I have a right. There's a freedom of speech. I have a right. Yes, if you're not a Jesus follower. But if you are a Jesus follower, Paul says you are to lay down your rights the same way he laid his downs. And though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to go after, but instead humbled himself, became a servant, died a sinner's death, and allowed the ones he created to crucify him on a cross. Why? It's not so that he could be right, so that you could be made right with God. And if that's what he did for you, and he says, walk in the way of love, follow the example of Jesus, that means you lay down your rights the day you decide to follow Jesus. Because he said, lay your rights down and do what? Pick up your cross and follow me. You see, Christianity is an other's first lifestyle. That is our new orientation. It's no longer about us. It's about Jesus and his kingdom and building others up. You see, we typically say, what's most helpful to me according to my needs, right? That's what, I t- that's what we typically approach that. Well, I'm going to say what's most helpful to me according to my needs. And again, that is fine if I care more about me than I do about you. But if I care more about me than I do about you, I'm not following in the way of Jesus. I'm not walking in the way of love. And we all understand this. And the people you love the most are the ones who do this the best. It's who you love the most. It's who you want to be around. Think about it, right? Think about the, the relationships in your life. Who, who, those that you love the most, right, are the people who probably encouraged you the most, right? Maybe it was a grandmother who always just said how proud she was of you and how much she loved you. And, and because of the way she loved, the, because of the way the example she had in your life, man, it's, it, it dramatically changed the way you view yourself, right? Those are the people that we want to be around. We want to be around people like that. And here's the reality. As a Jesus follower, Jesus wants people to want to be around you. Otherwise, you are not salt and light. You may get to post your post about your views on this election and this candidate and this, and, and we're really good, right? Because maybe we should not just say it's what you say. How about what you type or tweet or Insta, or TikTok, or whatever. Well, I need to say it. They need to know the truth. They need to know the truth about who they're supporting and what they've That's another message for later in the year. It's coming, though. You better just get ready. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Hmm. But only be selective, intentional. Only let out what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs. And then he finishes, that it may benefit those who listen. And by benefit, he means bring about change. Benefit them in the way that they need. So there's times where we have to say hard things to benefit someone else. Look, and not saying hard things when they need to be said, because you go, oh, I just don't know about that. I'm just uncomfortable with that. Again, when you say, well, I'm just uncomfortable with that, then it comes back to being about you again, right? It's about you. Well, it's how I, oh, I it's about you. So that's not the solution is to never say hard things. But when we say hard things, we say it with their benefit in mind, with what they need in mind. And, and people know when you're saying hard things with yourself in mind or with them in mind. Easy to tell. That's where I think Paul would say that intent in your notes is, is just as important as content. We focus on the content, the truth. But what's the intent? What's the motivation? Are you saying it just so you can say what needs to be said, just so you can get something off your chest? So you can take a deep breath and feel better about yourself? Or are you saying it in a way that says, I'm saying this because I love you? I'm saying this because this is what needs to be said and this is to your benefit and intent is important. People can tell your intent. They can tell what's motivating you. It's, it's, it's not hard to tell and I think if we're to be very honest with ourselves, we know what our motive is. And if they know we have their best interest in mind, then and only then can they receive the words that we're trying to say. It's the only way that they can build up and be beneficial. On our church staff, we have some values. Again, values are characteristics that back up your beliefs, right? So hey, we, we believe we want to be a healthy team that honors God, that's about his mission in the world. And so we are creating values that help shape the culture of our team. And we want to have a healthy team. And so we have things that are just in our culture where we say things like, hey, we own the place is one of our values as a team. We own the place. Meaning no one here is a manager. We're all owners, right? And you know, if you own a business or anything, right? If there's a need for the organization, it doesn't matter when you're the owner. You go, well, the secretary didn't show up. If it's your business and you own it and there's no secretary, there's no one to answer the phone. Guess who's answering the phones that day, right? You, because you own the place, it's yours. So as a team, we want to own the place. You see a piece of paper just because you're the youth guy and you walk by the kids thing and something's not right in kids doesn't mean that you don't fix it. You go, hey, I own the place, I'm going to fix it. So that's one of our values. We have a value that says we make it together. We have the same mission. We're on the same team. We play different, we have different positions and different roles on the team, but the only way we make it to the end goal, we get across the goal line is we make it together. We need everybody. We make it together. And then one of our values is, is we say the last 10%. Let me explain. Studies have shown that people are really good at sharing 90% of the truth. And they hold back on the last 10% of the truth 
because it usually creates some tension. But it's the last 10% that brings about the change that's needed in the relationship or in the organization to help it succeed and, and, and move the mission down. The so as a team, we are committed to say the last 10%, which means we will say the right thing in the right way for the right reasons at the right time, always. But in order to be able to say the last 10, we all eat lunch together multiple times a month. We go do some fun things together and hang out and we're intentional about building relationship and establishing connection and chemistry with each other because listen, I can't say the last 10% if you don't trust me. And you can't trust me unless you know me. And you can't know me unless we spend time together. And so we're committed to say the last 10%. And so this, this whole message, I don't want you to walk away just going, well, I just can't ever say anything hard to someone ever again. You know, I just have to just, you know, only be nice. I can't ever know. You say the right thing in the right way for the right reason. That means sometimes, right, that you have that conversation in private, not when the whole team is at the table. That means sometimes you, you hold back and you don't say, hey, it's the right thing. And I, I would always do it in the right way, but it's not the right time because I can tell they're in a terrible mood, right? Husbands, let me help you with this one. If your wife's in a bad mood, it's not the time to share the last 10%. Hold off till tomorrow, right? So there's just wisdom involved. I'm gonna hold back, I'm gonna wait, right? But we always are willing to say the right thing in the right way at the right time for the right reason. But I cannot say the right thing in the right way at the right time if I have no relationship. So motive matters. Let's read it all together again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to, not my needs. Man, I wish it said my needs. Their needs. So that may benefit those who listen. And when you say it in a way that's gonna build them up, according to the needs that they have, according to their benefit, guess what? That's the only way they will listen. So as Justice and the team comes and he goes, so what's the big takeaway today? Your words are weighty. They weigh a lot, but words are not equally weighted. It's a dynamic we have to understand when it comes to our words. And and here's what Proverbs told us right from the beginning, right? Life and death. And I will say this. It's studies have shown negative words weigh way more than positive words. They weigh more. A study showed it takes something like five to ten positive words to counterbalance one negative word. And I think it's even more when it comes to our intimate relationships. Think about this, growing up, if you're like me, you probably don't remember much of anything your parents said to you. (laughs) And the things that you probably do remember are the words that were most negative, critical, 
cynical. Those are the arrows that stuck. Those are the words that weighed more, that left a mark. And, and maybe his words said, sometimes it's words not unsaid, but the reality is, is words are not equally weighted. And our words can weigh a lot. See, our words have the potential to wound others. And it's usually the ones that we love the most. And as a Jesus follower, we're responsible for the damage we do with our words. We're responsible for how we steward our words. And and please hear me on this. It's there at the very beginning. I'm not preaching today from a place of success, but, but really struggle. And the reality is, is because of our fallen nature, right? We're going to mess this up more often than not. We're not always going to get this right. But what that should lead us to understand is the important the importance of loading up on the positive and the constructive, right? 10 times more positive than negative, maybe 50 times more positive than negative, right? Because it's the only way for constructive criticism to be received. And and listen, parents, we gotta get this right. We gotta be able to speak truth to our kids because they're in a world, listen, that's very intentional about the message they're communicating to your kids. You better be more intentional. And it takes great intentionality. This isn't rocket science. It's not hard to understand, but it will take discipline and intentionality to get this right. And listen to me, dads, I would say this, because of the way God has set up the family unit, your words weigh the most means they have the potential to wound the most. And if you want your correction to impact your child's direction in your life, you need to get the ratio right here. Which means, dads, I would say with you, 50 to 1. 50 to 1. 50 positives for every negative. 50 positives for every construction. Listen, sarcasm those types, again, it it will not make your kid tougher, but it will make it tougher for you to connect with your adult kids. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself today. We have to get the ratio right because words are not equally weighted. In your words, dad, they weigh a lot. Ah, come on, you're Man, I don't want to be soft on my kids, right? We live in this, you know, participation trophy culture, you know, every kid, you know, no one, we don't want to do that. We don't, we, you know, and I'm not saying you don't correct. I'm saying you got to get the ratio right. And if you're heavy on correction and not on affirmation, right? I've, I've, no one traces the root of their problems back to too much encouragement. No one. It's my dad said this, and I never could forget it. It's, my dad never said this to me. Never told me he loved me. Never said he was proud of me. And as parents, listen, we have to be, and we've got to be in a position 
where we can speak truth to our kids because they're going to need to hear it. But listen, the only way they're going to hear it is if you pave the way with positive words of encouragement. And I don't always get this right. But as a Jesus follower, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, right, this is not optional for me. I got to get this right. I got to I gotta be intentional about this. So every chance I get, tell my daughter, yeah, it's so, so beautiful. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak affirmation over her. I'm going to tell my son how proud I am of him. I'm going to tell him how God has a plan for his life. I pray over him every night. God's shaping your life, Maddox. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away at how much God is going to use you. I can't wait to see, right? I'm speaking truth and love and encouragement into my kids so that when I need to correct them, they go, dad's got my best interest. I know he does. All right. Application questions. Two things. Where do you have work to do? Where? When it comes to your words, where do you need to work? And maybe it's with your spouse, maybe it's with kids, maybe it's with your coworkers. I don't know, right? Coaching, wherever. Where where do you have work to do? And then secondly, who hopes you'll get to work soon? Who hopes you won't put this message off? Put this on the back burner. Well, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, no, listen. Come on. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Jesus, follower, your follower, Jesus live your life in a way that you walk in the way of love, that you follow God's example. Only let what come out of your mouth that is helpful to build others up according to their needs. And if you do it in that way, it will benefit all who hear what you have to say. Amen. Psalm 1914, the prayer of David. He understood this. He prayed to God. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, I want it to be pleasing to you. My rock, my redeemer, God, considering what you did for me, God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, David knew and Jesus taught the same thing. Guess what? Your mouth and your heart, they're tied together. To change what comes out of your mouth, you got to start with your heart. And for some of you, listen, you're still spewing things out because of a hurt that was done to you a long time ago, what someone said over you and, and what you believed about yourself, and you don't even realize how that's doing that. And you need to allow God, listen, only I can give you a, a message that gives you practical steps to do, but listen, unless you allow God to change your heart, it won't change what comes out of your mouth. So that's the step. He says, may the meditation of my heart. So what does that mean? It means you've got to not just be intentional about what you say. The first step is to be intentional about what you're allowing into your heart because what comes in is going to come out. So that's why we meditate on the word of God, the truth of God. We worship God. We, we, we're, we're very careful about what we're allowing into our, our minds and into our life and what we're watching and what we're listening to because the two are tied together. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. For some of you, 
It starts with allowing Jesus to change your heart. Because only he can do that. Sermon can't do that. Song can't do that. But Jesus can. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I just want to talk to those of you who maybe are in that place today. You would say, yeah, man, relationally, my life's a mess. I'm not where I need to be with God. And I mean, it's just evident in my life. It's evident in my relationships. I'm not following Jesus. I'm not walking in the way of love. And man, I need to do that. The only way to change the direction of your life is to turn in a different direction. You get to determine the direction of your life. You get to choose whether or not you will turn to Jesus and to follow him or not. That's up to you. And the Bible says the way that we turn is, is, is through repentance. It literally means to turn from your sin, the direction you're going, into God. And the amazing thing about the grace of God is that when you turn to him, he's not coming at you with judgment and condemnation. He's coming at you with grace and mercy if you're not walking with Jesus why would you go any further without him knowing that today if you say God and I'm, I've sinned and, and I'm distant from you but I want to walk with you I want to follow you and Jesus will meet you right where you are extend grace and mercy to you forgiveness to you and offer you the power of his Holy Spirit to live out these values. So today, if you know, away from God, I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith and surrender, but as a sign of surrender to the Lord to say, I'm not where I need to be with God in today, and I want to be. I want to pray with you, but as a sign of surrender, that's where you're at right now. Just slip up your hand. No one's looking around. Just, just me. I see you over here, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Three, four, five of you right here. Thank you. I see you back there. Thank you, sir. You can put it down. Would you put it up over here? God sees you today, so just tell God. Say, God, that's me. He's talking to me today. Anyone else? Thank you. Church family, why don't we pray this with those who are praying this together. Say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, today I invite you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. You died for me so I can live for you. I turn to you. I follow you. Lead me to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision.